0: Welcome to the Mulcahy Law Firm podcast. For over 25 years, Mulcahy Law Firm has helped plan communities and condominium associations throughout the state of Arizona. For more information on future classes, seminars, and more podcasts, please visit our website at mulcahylawfirm.com. The intent of our Zoom, Facebook Live, First Friday free call-in, videos, and podcasts is to provide a forum for board members and community managers to receive answers to HOA and condo legal questions. Please note, the content in these sessions are general in nature and is not intended to and should not be relied upon or construed as legal opinion or legal advice regarding any specific issue or factual circumstance. You should directly consult with an attorney for advice regarding your individual situation. Welcome to the podcast. Here's Beth Mulcahy. Thanks so much for having me here today. First, I'd like to welcome everybody. Thanks for joining us here today. It's great to be with you this afternoon. Wish we could be together in person. Well, first, I'd just like to start out by saying welcome to the city of Scottsdale's Neighborhood College. Thank you first to the city of Scottsdale for partnering with our firm to provide free education for board members, owners, and managers via the Scottsdale Neighborhood College. I think you heard from Bruce's introduction today that the city of Scottsdale has some wonderful programs through the Neighborhood College Program. Some of these classes are um, they're not all related to HOA and uh, condominium law. There's some on the history of Scottsdale and some on issues like long-term care, which are really helpful for everybody. So thank you so much for being with us here for the diverse amount of topics that we teach with the Scottsdale Neighborhood College. Bruce said, I've been partnering with the city of Scottsdale for almost 20 years to provide free education for board members, owners, and managers of homeowners associations and condominiums. Um, I'd like to start out by thanking the city of Scottsdale for letting me partner with them to provide free education for uh, all of these groups, homeowners, board members, and managers. And I'd also like to thank Bruce and Joy uh, from the city of Scottsdale for working closely together with us to help us develop great curriculum for all of you, Um, and then putting the classes together and getting them done. So I'd also like to do a little shout out to my team at Mulcahy Law Firm, who worked tirelessly to help me prepare for these classes. So thank you very much to both Yvonne and Morgan. We're pleased to have you joining us here this afternoon. Throughout this presentation, I'm going to be asking for your feedback, just so it's almost like we're in person. And I'm going to be doing that by asking you to participate in polls and also in comments that I may ask you just to put in the Q&A box or if you're joining us on Facebook, on the Facebook Live. Well, first, let me just get, give you a little bit of background. For those of you who I haven't met in person or who I haven't had in my audience live before the pandemic... My name is Beth Mulcahy, and I'm going to be your instructor today. I am the managing partner of the Mulcahy Law Firm in Phoenix, Arizona, and I've been representing homeowners associations and condominium associations for almost 25 years. My 25-year anniversary is coming up here November 1st. Um, My firm currently represents over 1,000 planned communities and condominiums throughout the state of Arizona. In addition to my law practice representing associations, I also have served on my board um, as a board member, including as president and as the treasurer for many, many years. So I think I bring a good perspective here today um, in terms of being in the trenches as an HOA lawyer, helping associations with their legal problems, and then also serving as a board member. And then I also had a little stint where I was a disgruntled owner. So I think I see uh, from all angles what's, you know, different perspectives on this. Okay, so what are we gonna be discussing today? Bruce kind of gave you a little primer and he let you know that we're gonna be talking about the new legislation, which was passed this year in the Arizona legislature. Um, It was kind of an exciting year, a different year for sure than prior years. And so we're gonna talk about the four bills that were passed and signed into law by the governor and how those may impact you as owners, board members, or as managers. Um, Then we're also gonna switch gears and talk about difficult owners. That is the one area of the law that I think I deal with every day in my legal practice. What's the best way to deal with a difficult owner? And that could be in the form of if there's a violation or if they're complaining all the time, or maybe even they're a board member. So we're going to give you some tips on how to deal with these 3D owners. And we describe those owners as difficult, disgruntled, and potentially dangerous. Um, And we're going to give you some tips on how to, to best handle those types of owners to limit your stress um, as you're navigating running your associations. It looks like we have 80 people here with us live today, which is awesome, so so happy to have you all here. One of the things I like to do when I'm teaching classes is I want to hear from you. Often, when we're teaching classes virtually, the best way to do that is to have a poll. And so basically, what we're going to do is I'm going to put up our first poll here very shortly. And I would just like to know who are, I would just like to know who, what your role is with the association. So, are you a board member? Are you a manager? Are you a homeowner who may have an interest in your association? Or are you in the other category? Okay, so we're going to be sharing the results now. Okay, so for those of you who are with us here today, we have 65% of you are board members, 14% are managers. 20% are interested homeowners, and then 2% are others. So that's uh, great information for me as we're navigating this class. We have a really diverse group of people who are attending today, so that's great. One of the things that I like to do is, uh, you know that the topics for today's class are going to be the legislative update from 2021, and then also how to handle difficult owners. Okay, let's switch gears and talk a little bit about the 2021 legislature. It was a really exciting year this year. We had one of the longest sessions in the history of the legislature where the session started in early January. And it did not end, surprisingly, until June 30th, which was the very last day that the legislature could be in session without an extension. And so this year we saw, you know, it was just kind of an unusual session, it was, you know, 2020 you know nothing happened basically for HOAs and condos because they had what we call a super short session and they passed a skinny budget and they never you know went back in and and finished the session 2021 was what we would call like a marathon session but they really weren't a lot of issues that pertain to HOAs and condos it was mainly dealing with covid issues they had great difficulty passing the budget in 2021 and so there was really little time left over To you know, dig deep on association HOA and condominium issues. However, there were four bills passed um, and signed into law by the governor. All of these laws are going to be going into effect on September 29th. So that's you know a very short period of time. But I don't think any of these bills are going to you know dramatically change how associations are doing business. So let's get right into the four bills. Um, All four of these bills again were signed into law by the governor, and they'll be going into effect next week on September 29th. Okay, the first bill talks about garnishments and attorney's fees. And basically what this bill says is that if an association has to file a garnishment to collect an unpaid debt from an owner, the association can now recover its attorney's fees incurred. And so where do we see this come into play? So before this law was passed, associations would get a judgment, typically in justice court, against an owner. And if they would send a demand letter to try to get the owner to pay it, and if the owner didn't pay the debt, one way to collect on the debt, per the judgment, would be to file a bank garnishment, garnishment of wages, or possibly even a rental garnishment. And basically what that is, is that the judge orders that the owner either pay via their bank account, or via their wages, or have their renter pay uh, directly to the association the rent versus paying the owner. And we call this a garnishment. And so in the past, when the association would file a garnishment and they had an attorney helping them with this, we were not entitled to recover our attorney's fees based upon some case law in Arizona. This law now allows us to recover our attorney's fees if we're um, the association is filing a garnishment against an owner to collect on a judgment that they have against the owner. So This is a positive development. We're going to be using this strategically after September 29th. And it's something that will help associations because in the past, you know, the association would just have to eat the cost of the attorney's fees to collect on the garnishment. And in some cases that just prohibited us from really ever collecting on it because, you know, if a garnishment costs a certain amount of money, like let's say $750 or $1,000 to pursue, and the judgment was only like that amount too, it just didn't make sense to do it. So this is a positive development for associations and we will be using this strategically going forward. Okay, the next bill uh, deals with political signs and this applies to both condominiums and to plant communities. And basically what it says is it extends the time an owner or a resident can leave a political sign up on their property for up to 15 days after the general election or any primary election. So the current law was three days. They had to have those political signs down. Now, any resident, owner, occupant of a lot can leave those signs up for 15 days. So really, the first election that this will come into play for association is will be the election that we see in November 2021. So just remember, they can keep the signs up now for 15 days after the general election or the primary. The next two bills that were passed this year are both COVID bills and they indirectly apply to associations. So we we want to mention those with you this morning or this afternoon. Um, The first one talks about mask mandates. And so I think we, if anybody's reading the paper, I mean, almost every day in the Arizona Republic, um, we're seeing information about there's some unrest in the state of Arizona in terms of can there be a federal mandate for people to wear masks? Can there be a state mandate? Can the state say that you don't have to wear masks, et cetera, at schools? Um, For all of us who have our kids back in school, thank goodness they're back in school. Some of the school districts are mandating that the children wear masks all day. Okay, so this bill was passed very early in the legislative session. And honestly, we kind of thought this was going to be you know, a non-issue because it appeared five months ago, six months ago, things in the pandemic were winding down. Well, I think we've, we've all known for sure that that is not the case. So basically what this law says is that um, notwithstanding any other law, a business in this state is not required to enforce on its premises a mask mandate that is established by the state, a city, town, or county, or any other jurisdiction of the state. So basically, this gives businesses rights. Any business in the state of Arizona doesn't have to enforce on their premises the mask mandate that might be established by state, city, town, or county, or any other jurisdiction of the state. And so how this may come into play for associations is some associations may, you know, let's say that there will be at some point, you know, it's doubtful based upon what Governor Ducey has, you know, communicated the past six months. But let's say that there is some sort of a mask mandate that's put in place. Um, If you're a private business in the state, you're not required to enforce it under this law. Interestingly, there's some litigation pending right now um, in the courts where this is being challenged, so we'll just have to wait and see what happens. I'm sure all the, the court will make a final you know ruling on this. I'm sure before September 29th when these laws are going into effect. And um, you know, just make sure you're checking our Facebook page. And um, our social media in terms of our LinkedIn page and our Instagram page, because if there's any significant development on the court system handling this, you know, and determining whether or not this law is, is feasible and allowable, we'll be letting you know right away. The next, the last bill that we're gonna talk about is dealing with liability of businesses during a public health pandemic. And basically, what this says is that it makes it really difficult, or actually nearly impossible, in my opinion, for a plaintiff to prevail regarding a pandemic-related lawsuit. And this would only be if the association was acting in good faith. So if your association, you know, behaved appropriately, relied on your legal counsel and your management companies advice and you know did everything possible that you could during the pandemic such as properly sanitizing your association common areas and you know making sure that you were taking actions to make your owners you know safe during this pandemic such as closing your gym or whatever was the issue at the times that the gyms and the pools were closed or posting proper signage as long as you were doing the best you know that you could acting in good faith the association will not have any liability for any pandemic related lawsuits Okay, briefly, we are going to uh, be sharing with you our legislative update cheat sheet. So these four bills are discussed um, in writing on this legislative update cheat sheet. And so you'll be seeing that here will be shared with you via the Zoom here shortly. And also you can get a copy of it by looking at our website at mulcahylawfirm.com. Just go to our cheat sheet webpage. And um, there's a a link on the homepage to the cheat sheets and just type in 2017-2021 legislative update and the cheat sheet will pop up. Okay, it looks like some of the feedback that I heard before we started this section talking about what topics do attendees want to to hear about today. I'm just going to kind of switch gears and talk about that for a minute. A couple people put in the chat that within the difficult homeowner category of topics, please cover board members who feel entitled and are above the rules. Okay, I definitely will. If my team can just put that little notation in there at the proper place, you know, on our outline for today's class, that would be awesome. Um, Are you going to cover difficult board members, specifically the board president? Okay, I promise you, I will cover that because sometimes we have that situation and it's really hard because if the president's the leader, And they've, you know, established a certain culture where them being difficult makes it hard for everybody else to behave in in a business like manner. I've seen that and I can definitely give you some tips on how to handle that. Okay. we're going to take another quick little poll because I I want to make sure that you guys are all here. It looks like we're up to 85 people, which is awesome. The next poll question I would like to know is as we're starting to put together our classes for in-person or virtual for 2022, we're interested in hearing from all of you what you prefer. Um, And then we'll take this feedback back to, um, you know, the powers that be, and we can create classes that I think you'll like. So given the state of COVID at this time, what is your preferred method of learning? One answer would be, I don't see myself returning to in-person classes this year, but I'll see you virtually. The second option would be, I I prefer to be back in person, person yesterday or starting yesterday. And the last one would be, I have no preference. Okay, let's see what the results are. Okay, so 63% of you that are here today do not see yourself returning to in-person classes this year and that you want to continue with virtual classes. 8% want to be back in person starting yesterday and 28% have no preference regarding virtual and or in-person learning. Okay, so that's really good feedback for all of us as we're starting to you know, finalize our plans for the end of 2021 and all of 2022. So thanks for sharing that with us. Okay, we're gonna be switching gears um, right now. And um, we're all, we have one more poll question for you. I'm interested just from a, somebody in the industry standpoint, how are you holding your board meetings right now? We're hearing feedback you know, from a number of different boards. Some are doing them in person, some are doing them virtually. So 37% of you are already doing in-person board meetings. 62% of you are having virtual board meetings. And 2% are saying that your board is not meeting at all. Okay, so I think we're really starting to see a trend, which is really kind of fascinating for our HOA and condo industry in that we're seeing a a transition, frankly, of board members, homeowners, managers, really changing how they're doing business to meeting more virtually. Um, And I actually just had a discussion with a manager yesterday And they were saying that our management company is going to take a preferential feeling that we're going to prefer to do virtual board meetings going forward because of a number of different reasons. So great feedback for all of us. It looks like some of you have returned in person. That's great. Most of you are virtual. For those of you who aren't meeting at all as a board, you need to start meeting because remember, under Arizona law, you have to have a board meeting at least once a year. So just be really careful on that because if you're not meeting... I'm wondering how decisions of your board are being made. And are you potentially violating the open meeting law if you're making decisions by email? So be really careful on that. And if you need any help um, on meeting virtually, we have a cheat sheet on this topic on board meetings, um, how to have a successful virtual board meeting. You can go to our website at MulcahyLawFirm.com. Click on our cheat sheet tab and look up virtual meetings and it'll be right there. And that will give you a lot of good tips on how to convert to virtual meetings. Okay. It's 1.25. I cannot believe it. Bruce, if I had direct contact with you right now, I would just be giving you a high five because I am right on schedule. We had planned to be at 1.25 just starting our topic of how can we handle difficult owners. And so we're going to be talking about this now for about the next half hour, maybe just a little bit longer, 35 minutes. I'd like to just get get some feedback from the audience before we get into this topic. And we'll talk a little bit about, you know, does your association have a difficult owner? Now, that owner could be a board member. That um, owner could just be an owner at large who's not a board member. But from my experience, we've seen a lot of difficult owners. At least once a day, I'm I'm talking with an association about, hey, how do we handle this person? So we have 93% of you have a difficult owner. 2% say, no, we don't, and boy, are you lucky. And 5% say, I'm not sure, so, or I don't know. So I think we can all agree that, you know, at one point in your time serving on your board, you're gonna find a difficult owner crossing your path. Um, Whether it's a board member or whether it's an owner at large, maybe even a renter. Um, And so what we'd like to do is just give you some tips on what's the best way to handle these owners. And just so that you're not feeling like this is something that's only happening to your association. I think you can even see from the poll results, like 93% of you have difficult owners. Difficult owners, frankly, keep the lights on at our firm because there are just so many legal problems that they create. And you know, in addition to that, they also create burnout of board members, high, high stress levels for managers and board members. And so this is a really important topic um, on what are some strategies that you can use as a board member, a homeowner, as a manager to help you best manage the difficult owner situation. Okay. So we've seen all kinds of stories on the news over the, I've seen them over the past 25 years of, you know, owners in an association that are upset about something. Maybe they, you know, go to channel three and are interviewed about how horrible they think the association is, or, you know, unfortunately we even saw many years ago, there was a shooting at an association in the West Valley where several board members were, were killed. So we've seen varying levels of, you know, this really scary and difficult situation with difficult owners. And so, you know, I think, how do we tackle this problem? You know, there's, there's no answer for each, each person, but there's some strategies I can give you once we determine you know, what category this person falls under that I think will be able to help you as you navigate the situation. So first thing I'd like to say is if you communicate well, this is really going to help you limit your problems or avert your problems. So um, we're going to be talking about communication kind of towards the end of the seminar in terms of how do we have successful associations and what are some strategies to have a successful association? I can tell you number one is going to be the associations that communicate the best, have the fewest problems. Okay, so let's talk about how do these disgruntled homeowners, you know, come out of the woodwork? Where do we typically see them? So the first thing I would say is sometimes we see difficult owners attend a board meeting. And so we'll see conflicts at a board meeting. Um, And I think kind of the first baseline thing I'd like to say is that name-calling, interrupting, personal attacks, unfounded allegations really should be prohibited by your board at the board meeting. So just as a baseline, you know, if your board is having what I would call like out-of-control board meetings where you may have an owner or maybe even its board member who are misbehaving, your board really needs to adopt a a code of conduct for that board meeting and, you know, make sure that it's enforced. So at the start of the meeting, you can you know, say, listen, this is how the, the rules of this meeting are going to be conducted. And if anybody violates these rules, they'll get a warning. And then if the same person violates it again, they'll be asked to leave the meeting. And so let's talk a little bit about how do we handle You know, and if you need sample rules for that, let's say that you're an association and you have this problem during board meetings where you can't get things done because there's shouting and screaming and name calling and all kinds of bad behavior. I have some sample rules for the meeting and basically they're just like the same rules that I saw on my children's kindergarten wall when they were back in kindergarten. It's basically, you know, no shouting, no talking out of turn, keep your hands to yourself, no personal attacks, no interrupting you know, no name calling, all of these things are on our sample, you know, list. And if anybody wants one, just feel free to email me after the class today and we'll be sure to get that to you at bmokahilawfirm.com. Okay. So how do we handle at a board meeting when you have a board member conflict, whether it's the difficult president, or maybe it's just a, a difficult board member, or maybe a board member who feels like they're in the minority in that, you know, everybody feels that there should be, you know, a new pool put in (laughs) and they're in the minority that they don't think the money should be spent. And so there's kind of like a teaming up type thing. Okay. So when you have board member to board member conflict, it really can bring association productivity to a halt. And it really, frankly, makes your board look really unprofessional. It's okay to have a healthy disagreement among your board. As a matter of fact, it's probably good. Just to not have everybody, you know, agreeing unanimously on everything. But the type of conflict I'm talking about is where one person or maybe two persons on the board are really going at it and behaving in an unprofessional manner and prohibiting us from getting work done as a board. And so what are some steps to limit board member contact conflict if that's happening? So number one, you know, make sure that you're giving all board members an opportunity to talk. Or to contribute with equal time. You know, one board member should not be dominating the entire meeting. You know, everybody should have approximately the same time to comment on things. And you should never say, you're not allowed to talk, or we don't want to hear from you. We already know what you think. And that's not appropriate. Consider enacting regulations such as discussion time limits. So some of the board meetings that we attend are, you know, really lengthy. And so, what's one way to, you know, get people to, get to the point when they're making comments would be to say, okay, everybody's going to get 30 seconds. Everybody gets a minute on the board to make a comment. You can, you know, waive your right to talk if you don't want to. Um, after follow-up discussion on a topic, after all board members have been given the opportunity to, to speak, allow anyone who wants to speak again as a board member, the opportunity to speak. So when I'm attending a board meeting, like a just a baseline dysfunction that I see sometimes is, We'll have the board, you know, we'll be discussing an issue and board member A will make a comment and then board member B makes a comment and then board member A jumps right back in and wants to make more comments. That's not really how it should work. Everybody on the board, so A, B, C, D, E, however many board members you have should be allowed to comment before A would be able to circle back and make another comment. Educate new board members on board processes and outstanding issues. So when you get elected to your board, I mean, you're pretty you're a homeowner right you're not involved in the day-to-day aspects of running your association and so sometimes you it's really a good idea to have a more seasoned board member you know meet with you and talk with you about okay here are the most pressing issues that we have facing our association right now and you know talk a little bit about executive session issues and how it's important to keep those confidential under our fiduciary responsibilities I know that when I was treasurer and I passed the torch to a new treasurer in our association, we had a meeting, we talked about when we work on the budget, we talked about, um, you know, important deadlines, like taxes have to be filed March 15th for state and federal taxes. We talked about some problems that I'd seen with the manager previously that I wanted this person to keep an eye on, the new treasurer. We talked about insurance renewals, approximate time period for, you know, just important bills that needed to be paid, um, any of our DNO insurance or our premises liability insurance. So just passing the torch to the new board members and, and anybody that's new coming in, maybe just getting them up to speed on issues that pertain to the association. And that can help limit board member conflict because sometimes somebody gets on the board. Because they were upset about the trees at the entrance or something, right? And they don't really see the big picture of what it means to, to be on the board. And so, you know, not only talking with them about the tree issue or whatever there is a big issue that they want to talk about, but then also just giving them a 360 view of the entire association and then all the different issues that we face as a board member. You know, I can say from personal experience, you know, you really get a different perspective when you serve on the board versus when you're a homeowner not serving on the board. I think you have a lot more appreciation for how difficult of a job it is after you've put in some hard time as a board member, because it's hard to keep everybody happy when you're serving on the board. And and really, you're just a homeowner, too, just trying to do your best. OK, then the last thing I would say to limit board member conflict is encourage mentoring of new board members. So more seasoned board members should be mentors to the board members that maybe are newer to serving on the board. So if they have questions, maybe have a go-to person that they can ask for questions. Well, why are we doing it this way or why, you know, why is the annual meeting in April or whatever? Just having a place for them to go talk to another board member versus raising a lot of these issues at a board meeting that really are kind of irrelevant and not part of the agenda. Okay, so what do we do if we have a bad president, right? That was something that came up. I think I saw that um, was a topic that was, I was asked to talk a little bit about, you know, board members who feel entitled or above the rules, or maybe we've got um, a difficult board member, specifically the board president. So it's a special challenge when you have a board president who is difficult or who maybe is not nice to your owners. And so a couple of suggestions that I would have would be reach out to your legal counsel or to your management company as a board member and say, hey, I have some concerns regarding how some of these issues are being handled. And can we talk about this as a board and maybe put it on the agenda for a board meeting? Sometimes this person has been allowed to behave like this for many, many years and um, sometimes it's, it's really difficult to get this person to be more professional in how they're operating as president. And so you may need to bring in an expert, like you may need to bring in um, the president of the management company or your attorney for your association and kind of talk through the issues and explain that, talk about what your concerns are, and then talk about what are some changes that we could make that would make the situation better. And I have to tell you from attending thousands and thousands and thousands of meetings over the past 25 years that I have seen a president or maybe even another board member being difficult and not being nice to the owners. And so when I see that, I just cringe because it just leaves such a bad feeling for the entire board and for the community. And so... If you have a situation like that, have your attorney or your management company talk with the board president or the other board member and, you know, try to get them to curb their behavior to be more professional. If they can't, try to encourage them to step down and just be a board member at large and allow, you know, another board member to step in and that maybe has a personality that might be more conducive to being the president of the association. Of course, if the president refuses to do that, usually in your bylaws, a majority of the board can vote to strip the president of their president title. Um, so that's something that you, you may need to do. Again, just talk about that with your attorney. Okay, let's switch gears and talk about the difficult owner. How do we handle difficult owners? This would be you know non-board members. This might just be an owner. We call them gadflies, typically in our office. And this is the type of person that's just like the expert at criticizing, pinpointing the errors of others, demanding change, interrupting, attacks personal integrity, claims the board is engaging in conflicts of interest without any evidence. You know, what's the best way to deal with this person? Because maybe they're spouting off on Nextdoor or they're on a Facebook page talking about, you know, how the board's stealing money or the board's making bad decisions, the board's way over budget or whatever their issues are. You know, well, first of all, if they're coming to a meeting, a board meeting, again, announce the meeting procedures and rules at the beginning of the meeting. And you can also talk about this in your newsletter and meeting notice. Okay, this is how board meetings will be conducted and how people should be behaving at a board meeting. Then enforce it. So if somebody violates it, force it. Say, you know, you are in violation of meeting rules. Give them a warning. If they don't curb their behavior, then ask them to leave the meeting. Have a homeowner forum at the beginning of the board meeting so that any owner that's upset about something or that wants to make a positive comment, hopefully, about your association, that they have a forum for the first 10 minutes before the meeting starts where they feel heard. And you can put a time limit on it depending on how many people you have that want to talk during the homeowner forum. But that's just a great way for the board to hear feedback in a short period of time for any owner that's come to the meeting and wants to be heard. Establish some control of the meeting. Nobody should be allowed to interrupt board meetings by speaking out of turn, raising irrelevant issues, making personal attacks, engaging in loud voices, unprofessional voices, screaming, yelling, maybe even standing up and you know, exercising some sort of body force you know, or intimidation. If that's happening, whoever is running the meeting, typically the president, maybe the manager or the attorney we'll need to step in and say, okay, this is not appropriate behavior in a very calm way. And this is your warning. If you do this again, you will be asked to leave. Um, another tip I can give you for, you know, dealing with these gadflies that may come to your board meetings, remember that you don't have to fight it out with them. Respond in a non-argumentative voice. Don't respond with an anger, any anger. Don't argue with these people. Do not trade insults. We don't have to rebut every comment that an owner makes. So, for example, if they say something along the lines of the board has been misappropriating funds and I know you've been misappropriating funds. That's why we don't have any money to fix the pool or whatever. You know, I think what you can say is you're welcome to review our minutes of our association documents to make a written request. You're welcome to review our financials, and you'll see from reviewing our financials that, you know, we have tried to make the best decisions possible for our association. And, you know, it's okay to say, you know, your allegations that we have misused association's funds are false. And if you would review the records, you'll see that yourself. Use parliamentary control. So, you know, as a board, know when to table a motion, postpone a motion, refer a matter off to a committee to do further investigation and when to limit debate. Because sometimes, you know, I know I'm going to a lot of board meetings that sometimes you're just not gonna, you're going in circles and circles and circles on a topic and it's not gonna, there's gonna be no decision that evening. So really whoever's running the meeting, typically the president is gonna have to say, okay, well we appreciate everybody's comments here tonight. Doesn't sound like we're going to be able to come to any final resolution on this. So let's just table this and we'll talk about it again next month. Or let's point this to a committee and have them do a little more research on the pros and the cons and the costs of this. And then they'll report back to us and then we can come back and discuss, it, discuss this again with more information. Okay, so what do we do when there's a difficult situation at the meeting? Like maybe somebody comes to the meeting and they're really upset about something. Maybe. There's a maintenance issue. You know, I, the one that comes to mind right now is, you know, we, we have a number of cases where an owner may be upset about something that's going on in another person's property. And it's really bugging them. Or maybe there's something that's going on in the common areas that's really bugging them. So when the person is really upset, agitated, and they come to a board meeting, or maybe they encounter you, you know, while you're walking your dog, What you can do is two things. Okay, number one, you can ask them to come to the board meeting, right, to talk about it with the entire board. And if they come to the board meeting, then you can ask the person to explain what the exact issue is. And if there are multiple issues, you know, try to deal with one issue at a time. You know, so asking them, okay, can you explain to me specifically what it is you're upset about? And then listen to what they have to say. You don't want to argue with them. Just listen. Okay, I understand. Okay, so the first issue is you don't like that your neighbor put the waste management dumpster in their driveway. Okay, and and it's okay. I understand that. What's the next issue? After they explain what they're upset about, agree with any truth in the complaint, if it's accurate. Okay, so if the board made a minor mistake... Acknowledge the mistake, but refute the allegation that the board doesn't know what they're doing, right? So, okay, I'm sorry that you contacted the management company and for whatever reason, they haven't called you back yet. And I'm sorry that that didn't happen, but I'm happy that you bring it to our attention. And why don't you let me know what the issue is and then I'll make sure that somebody calls you back on this first thing tomorrow morning. Or maybe you can even have the manager right there help the managers at the meeting. Sometimes the person just goes in attack mode, you know, when you're asking them to explain what the problem is. And if they're attacking you personally at the board meeting as a board member, sometimes you should just take a minute to compose yourself and think about, you know, what exactly they're saying. Look at your documents that may support, you know, whatever position you're going to be responding with. Do not respond with emotion or anger If you feel that you're kind of crossing over to that, you could just say to the person, I appreciate you coming here tonight to let us know that. And we'll be getting back to you once we look into this a little bit more. Offer to the difficult person um, your best guess as to what they're feeling. Like you could say something like, it sounds like you're angry right now because nobody responded to your complaint. And I'm sorry about that. I'm glad that you brought it to our attention and we will respond to you. You know, immediately on this or first thing tomorrow morning. And thank you for letting us know that this happened and we'll do better in the future. That by handling a situation like that, it demonstrates a willingness to understand where they're coming from and leads us towards a resolution. A person has stated what they claim the problem is that they're upset about. Suggest an alternative if you have one. People sometimes become frustrated with their boards because they feel like they have no power. And so listening and showing how the problem might be solved can ease the tension sometimes. Also ask them what they, what, what do you want from this? Okay, so they explain what the problem is. And then you might want to say, well, can you better define for me what exactly you'd like the board to do? And that will, you know, give you a feeling, you know, is it something that the board can do or not do? Is it totally outlandish where you're like, that's never going to happen? Or is it something that's totally reasonable that you're like, okay, we can do that. You know, We will get that done right away. And then if you say you're going to do something as a board, make sure that either the board member or if you delegate it to the management company, make sure they do it. And really the best way to do that is to ask the manager to copy you on any response that they send to the owner so that you know it's been done. Um, I know that when I was president of our association... I did that because I was saying to somebody at a meeting, we will get that done. I'm sorry that this has risen to this level. We are this upset and um, you know we will handle this right away. I delegated it to the manager. And then I said to the manager, make sure you copy me on this when you respond to the owner. So that I knew then too that it had been done and that the owner would be happy based upon that. And then the last thing um, to think about is When you're dealing with a difficult person, really resist the urge to win, okay, as a board. There is no owner. There is no winner in situations like this. Really, what you want to do is listen. You want to ask questions, ask them for solutions, bring solutions to the table. That's the best way to resolve issues, you know, with owners. Trying to win and say, you're wrong, we're right, you don't know what you're talking about. That is going to escalate the matter further. It's better to try to just come you know from a place of listening, ask some questions so you can better understand what the issue is, offer solutions, ask them for solutions. That moves things forward. One thing I'm going to just mention you know that I think is kind of a newer thing that we've been dealing with is what do you do when these difficult owners get on social media and start really bashing board members and, the management company, maybe even the legal counsel, how do we handle that? And so be really careful if you are a board member on this call today and maybe there's an active next door page talking about, you know, how horrible the board is, or there's a special Facebook page, you know, that they created or, or whatever. I and mean, I think the best way to handle it is don't get involved in a social media argument. So, you know, nobody should be responding on behalf of the board if you're a board member and a manager. What you can do is say, come to the next board meeting and let them know when the next board meeting is. And we really welcome you to raise these issues in, and then we can respond accordingly. Um, but having one board member get into it on social media with a group is just it's never a good idea. So and remember, one board member doesn't speak for the entire board. The majority of the board speaks for the entire board. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about what happens when the difficult owner like crosses over into harassment. And we've seen this time after time, after time in an association. So what do you do when the owner is now making personal threats or maybe has some improper physical contact with you as a board member? You know, what are the different things that we look at? Okay. So in Arizona. There's a specific statute that talks about what is the definition of harassment, and that's Arizona Revised Statute Section 12-1809. And we're going to be giving you a cheat sheet that talks about dealing with difficult honors, and there's going to be a deep dive on this in the cheat sheet, so we're going to be sharing that with you shortly. Okay, so what does harassment mean under Arizona law? It's a series of acts over any period of time that is directed at a specific person And that would cause a reasonable person to be seriously alarmed, annoyed, or harassed. And the conduct, in fact, seriously alarms, annoys, and harasses the person and serves no legitimate purpose. So what do we do when we have an owner that is harassing a board member, a manager, maybe even another owner? First step should be whoever's being harassed should tell the individual who's harassing them to stop. Okay? Keep a journal entry of the date, time, and the calls, any encounters that you have with them so that there's documentation as to what exactly has transpired. Note any verbal or written responses in the journal. Keep a copy of the written responses. Keep a copy of the harassing emails. Keep a copy of any voicemails that are left. And so what are some common examples that we, we hear on this? So I've heard from managers many times that they'll come into the office in the morning, listen to their voicemail, And they'll receive a message like, you'll be sorry, or I'm going to, you know, I have a new gun and I'm going to be out of the range thinking about you. I mean, we've heard all of these different crazy things said. And, you know, I know where you live, or I'm going to be coming down to the management company and you'll be sorry. Or maybe somebody's saying, I'm bringing my gun to the next board meeting, you know, And so, just documenting all of these different things, um, you know, for your file because you may need that documentation in the future. So tell the person to stop. Okay, Um, you can either do that in writing or verbally. It's always best to have something in writing. Okay, the second step would be if it doesn't stop, have the board management company. Or the attorney write a letter to the person that's the harassing person that's causing the harassment of another, telling them to cease and desist from whatever behavior that they're engaging in. And that the person is going to be taking legal action if they don't stop. So the first thing is politely tell them to stop, right? Then document everything that they've done. The second step is actually take the step of having a third party write a letter to the person harassing another person, telling them to cease and desist. Okay, the third step, you know, could be to contact the police and, you know, have a police report made. So most of these police reports are now done on the phone, but contacting the police with the name of the individual, that person's address, what they've done, ask for a police report to be done. It really just depends on what the incident is. Sometimes the police will actually come out to the property and interview the parties before they make the police report. Sometimes they won't. It just really depends on how busy the police are and also how serious the matter is. The third step is going to be a police report. The fourth step will be um, going to, to justice court and getting what we call an injunction prohibiting harassment against the person that's harassing others. Now, these cases, you know, are not. If these hearings are and these injunctions aren't, you know, given out regularly. There actually has to be proven harassment in order to get one. And so, basically, what you need to do is you just go to the justice court, ask for your paperwork to file for an injunction proving harassment. So, a board member or a manager or even an owner who is on the receiving end of whatever the harassment is endless abusive telephone calls, nasty emails haranguing of you on the street, you know, yelling and screaming at you. Um, we had a situation once where we had a difficult owner who tackled a board member who was doing some cleaning of screens in their garage and actually started pounding the board member's head on the concrete. I mean, so we've seen some pretty serious things, you know, and so you go to justice court, you get the injunction preventing harassment. Basically, they give you a piece of paper. You fill out all the details. That's why that um, documentation that you did in step one is really important. And then you go in front of the judge and you swear under oath that the, you know, the allegations that you're making are true. The judge may ask you some questions. And then if the judge agrees that, you know, there has been harassment and that the person should be staying 50 feet away from you, you know, at all times, the court will issue the injunction. And then you take that injunction and you serve, you hire a process server to serve the person that's been harassing you with the injunction. And then they have to stay 50 feet away from you. Uh, Now, a couple things on this injunction prohibiting harassment. A, they're kind of hard to get, meaning that you have to be able to prove that, you know, there's a pattern of harassment. Um, So they have a pattern of threats. So, you know, more than one threat against you. And also, if there may be physical threats, maybe part of it, if they actually physically touch you in any way to cause harm, you only need one incident. Um, And so... You know you're going to have to have good documentation, and you're going to have to show that you truly feel that this person, um, you know, is threatening you in some way, and that um, you know you would feel safer if you had this injunction so they couldn't come within fifty feet of you. Um, another thing that's important um, to think about is that if you get the injunction in court, and then you serve the the person that's been harassing you with the injunction. Um, that owner or whoever it is, they have a right for a hearing to object to the injunction. So it's a process sometimes to get these injunctions preventing harassment. So you got to go to court. You have to, you know, provide testimony to the judge, fill out the paperwork. If you get it, then you have to serve the person that is harassing you with paperwork, and then that person has a right to have a hearing in court where they can present evidence. You know that they claim that they're innocent here, and this has been falsely obtained against them. And I can tell you from doing a number of these hearings that these hearings usually are pretty out there. You know, they're usually not my most favorite hearing to do because there's a lot of yelling and um, typically everybody thinks they're right. And it's really kind of a a mess um, because... It's a he said, she said, and, or he said, he said, and, you know, sometimes the judge just throws arms up and just doesn't know who to believe. That's why that documentation with the police report and witnesses that can cooperate are so important to prove that there has been somebody um, who is, has been harassing you. But assuming that you, you know, prevail on the hearing, if the harasser asks for one, then that injunction will remain in place for six months. Okay, so let's just do kind of a um, a quick little reminder here on all the different parts of how to deal with a difficult owner. So number one, if you have a difficult board member, what is the best way to handle that? You know, raise informally with that board member. Hey, I'm concerned about, you know, how you're behaving at the meetings and I'm asking that you behave in a more professional manner. They won't do that. Reach out to your legal counsel as a board member, or reach out to your management company and ask to have a meeting with all parties, everybody on the board and the management company, or everybody on the board and the attorney to discuss your concerns. Um, and then hopefully the third party that's independent can guide the board into acting, you know, more appropriately, the board member to acting more appropriately. If we have a difficult board member, maybe we need to strip them of their title. You can do that typically in your bylaws by a majority vote. Um, That may be necessary in order to isolate that person so that their bad behavior doesn't continue. If you have a difficult owner, remember if you have a meeting, some good little closing tips on this is have procedures in place for the meetings so that they know what the expected behavior is. And announce those at the beginning of the meeting. Give them warnings if they're violating it. Ask them to leave if they violated it a second time. Don't fight with owners at meetings. Just listen to what they have to say. Don't respond with anger, argue, or trade insults. You don't have to have an answer for everything that they're saying. Sometimes you can just say, thank you for your feedback. Remember that if somebody is really upset about something, listen. Ask them to explain what they're upset about. Offer solutions. Ask them what they want. Apologize if we've done something wrong. Try to work it out you know, by being nice and listening. But sometimes, let's be real here... Sometimes people just, a bully just wants to bully, right? And so even if you use all these strategies and they still aren't happy, then what you may need to do is is start going back to your meeting rules. And, or maybe if they're contacting your email excessively, say, stop contacting my email. All communication needs to go through the manager or all communication needs to go through the attorney. So if you've tried all these different tactics and they're still behaving bad, then just box yourself out of it. As a board member, you don't have to take that. Give it to one of your paid professionals on your team to handle that person going forward and tell them to stop contacting you. If it crosses over into harassment, remember that you should be documenting everything that the person is doing to harass you. You may need to have a third party write a letter to them. Maybe it's your management company. Maybe it's the attorney for the association telling them to stop harassing you. You may need to go to court and get an injunction prohibiting harassment, which means that they stayed fifty feet away from you at all times. It's kind of a sticky wicket. I didn't talk about this, but what do you do if a board member gets an injunction prohibiting harassment against an owner, and the owner can't come within fifty feet of the board member? Well, with Zoom, it's been a lot easier. You know, that we can say that the homeowner may now need to, you know, appear by Zoom so that there's no, you know, direct physical contact. Um, That may be one solution. But really, before the pandemic, oftentimes we would have the judge write right into the injunction order that the owner was not allowed to attend the meetings in person anymore. Um, And that really does need to be in the injunction order, you know, unless they can appear virtually where there won't be any physical contact. Because under the open meeting law in Arizona, they are allowed to attend the board meeting. So that's an important thing to think about. Okay, so I think we covered kind of everything that we needed to cover on difficult board members, difficult owners. Um, I hope that some of these tips will help you as you navigate this experience. Let's just switch gears and talk just for a few minutes about how to be a successful association and what are some of the, the things that I think are really key traits of successful associations. I'd like to finish by talking about this because I think that Many associations want to have, you know, be successful, get things accomplished, not have a lot of problems, have it be a hassle-free time when you're serving on the board, but they don't really know the recipe or the formula to get there. So I want to get some feedback from you first before we go into that. And I'm going to do a quick little poll. So tell me a little bit about your association. You know, how do you feel about it? Is it a professional business? Not a lot of problems. We have some problems, but they're manageable or were completely dysfunctional or i don't know i'd rather not comment okay so we had 28% of you said professional not a lot of problems 57% said got some problems but they're manageable 11% say what we are completely dysfunctional and 4% say i don't know or i'd rather not comment so you know we're kind of in the zone where we've got 57% saying we got some problems 11% of, of the people that that you know, respond and say, whoa, we're completely dysfunctional. We've got some issues. And so that's some good feedback for me as we, as we navigate through this. Okay. So if you're one of those completely dysfunctional associations, a suggestion for you would be to bring in an expert to help your association manage the dysfunction. And so sometimes what we'll do is maybe the management company can um, have a meeting with everybody on the board and you can discuss, okay, What are the issues that are causing so much distress in our association? And how can we work together? Sometimes I'm brought in as the legal counsel when there's really dysfunctional situation in an association. And one of the first things I do is we get out those big post-its and we write down, okay, what's bothering everybody? So let's just get it all on the table. And so we write it all down. Sometimes people are shy and they don't want to put it up there. So sometimes we have it on pieces of paper and then they pass it to me and then I write it up on the whiteboard. You know, so we get we get on the table. Okay, this is what the issues are. And then, you know, another thing that I do is I like to do the personality testing because a lot of times, once we better understand the personalities that are serving on the board, we better understand how to manage those personalities. So sometimes we'll do the disk testing with testing, which is the personality testing. We actually have a cheat sheet on this on our website called how to have a successful association and and board members working well together using DISC, D-I-S-C testing. And it just says that there's four different personality types and it talks about what are the pros and cons of each personality type and what's the best way to communicate with them, what's the best way to get things done, how they best operate and what their weaknesses are. That's usually really helpful. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about, you know, what are the traits or the recipes that I see how to have a successful association. So the first one, I already mentioned this once in the presentation, is you got to have good communication. So the boards that communicate the best have the fewest problems. So making sure that you're giving owners an opportunity to talk during board meetings, you know, is really important so that they feel heard, having that open forum, really communicating with your owners every step of the way, whether that means putting out newsletters, having meeting minutes available on the website for your regular board meetings, putting out emails frequently to your members, reminding them that there's going to be a board meeting, so if they want to attend, they can. Maybe when you have a really hot topic, have a town hall meeting so you can kind of discuss with everybody what the issues are and try to get a better understanding for how people feel about the issues in your community. Remember to do some community bonding things. So it's been hard with COVID. We haven't really been able to have any social events at associations for a long time. But, you know, you might want to consider having an outdoor event for the holidays where members can interact and have fun together. Another really important situation for having good communication for associations is making sure that member inquiries are responded to in a timely fashion. There's like nothing more frustrating for owners if they call and call and call to get something fixed and no one ever responds to them and it never gets fixed. Um, Make sure that the owners know how to contact the association if they have a problem. So have that in your newsletter, have that in your emails that you send out. Um, maybe even put that in the minutes so that people know how to contact a board member or manager, depending on what your communication chain is for your association. Ask members how they feel about things by doing surveys. A real controversial topic in associations is converting tennis courts to pickleball courts. Ask people for you know their input on that. Would you be in favor of that? Do you think it would be too loud? Do you want to suspend association funds to build a new pickleball court? Whatever the hot topic is. You know, these are all really good suggestions to improve communication. Um, Make sure you have a website for your association. Really, that is a a great hub of information where you can put like architectural control forms, any other forms for your association, information about the leadership for your association, how to make payments, maybe even being able to have a place where your owners can look up how much money they may owe the association or to see if they're what their current balance is for the association. Um, all of these these are, are just good suggestions to communicate with your owners because the more that owners are in the know about what's going on, the less likely they are to believe the naysayers on Nextdoor and Facebook who are saying the association is being run into the ground. Make sure that you're emphasizing teamwork as a board. It shouldn't just be one or two people doing all the heavy lifting. Everybody on the board should be participating to have a successful association. Um, Another key ingredient of a successful board is being honest, having integrity and being transparent when you're serving on your board. You know, so to be a great leader, you have to be honest when things go wrong. You got to just say, hey, this did not go the way I wanted it to or the way the board wanted it to. And we will do better. You know, having integrity, doing the right thing um, and being transparent. We're not hiding anything being on this board. You know, there are certain things you can't have by law. Um, But everything else is fair game. And we welcome you to come and look at the records to answer any questions that you may have. And we'll do everything we can to also answer your questions. And then kind of the last key ingredient is, you know, the commitment to sticking it out, you know, and and being determined to sticking it out. Being on a board is not an easy task. Um, You go on to it thinking, oh, I'm going to be involved in putting the flowers in the front entrance and it's not going to be you know any stress, it's going to be fun, but really the reality of serving on a board is that you never get a thank you, you only hear complaints, you recognize how little money you really have to make improvements to your community, and difficult owners make your life really difficult, frankly, they keep you up at night and give you ulcers and cause you to not want to go to the meetings because they're so confrontational. And so, you know, you have to have a commitment and a level of determination and thick skin in order to serve on your board. And you just need to know that, OK, that's part of the job. It's not a life sentence. But for the three years or two years or however long you're going to serve on your board, you got to know it's not all going to be candy and roses. There will be moments of candy and roses, but there will be moments where you have to dig deep and be patient and be kind and listen and apologize for something that's really not even your fault, but because you're a leader in the organization, you have to take responsibility for something that may not have gone right. So having that commitment and determination to stick it out and not quit are all really important ingredients for serving on your board. Don't forget our free cheat sheets are available for download at MulcahyLawFirm.com. Please go to iTunes or your favorite podcasting platform and leave us a rating and a review. Thank you for listening.